Welcome to Farm to Table Podcast. Today, I was joined by Emily Carr on this amazing discussion. I just want to say a huge thank you for her joining me today, and I hope you enjoy. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes. My name is Emily Carr. I'm from the Lakewood High School chapter here in Florida, and I'm excited to be on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining. Why don't you just go ahead and tell, tell us about yourself a little bit? So I am the president of our chapter, and I've been in FFA for three years. I've been involved with agriculture for most of my life. We used to live on a farmette up in Maryland, and now down here in Florida, we live on a farm, and I own my own dairy goat herd, and that's basically all I'm doing nowadays is working with my dairy goat herd. All right. That's awesome. So if you don't know, um, I recently just moved from Florida, and it's awesome down there um i'm currently in washington though it's, it's it's still pretty cool here um but you know this just kind of reminds you of how much of a national scope ffa has you know and you're able to reach people from all the way across the country and now it's even easier because you can do it instantaneously online um so why don't you go ahead and tell them about how you're using that in your sae yes one of my saes I have multiple different SAEs. One of them is my goat farm, my goat herd, which I also have a goat blog about teaching people how to take care of their goats. And that's one of the ways that I use the internet. But another way is a communications SAE where I have an Instagram page, which Sam is a part of and he helps me with. It's called FFA Behind the Scenes. And I reach out to FFA members across the country and try and spread positivity and teach FFA members about FFA. If you aren't already uh, following FFA behind the scenes, you should really do it. It has a lot of cool opportunities, such as member of the week and a state officer team, uh, Zoom calls every once in a while that we also do. Um, It's really cool. Yes, I really like the Instagram page and a whole bunch of other FFA members help me with it so we can stay connected across the US. We've, We've talked to people like Sam Smith and different national officers and Florida officer team. And we're about to have a Zoom call here soon on the West Virginia officer team, talking with them and interviewing them a little bit. Um, But more than that, you know, FFA is a really good way to reach out to students. And why do you think that is so important in agriculture currently? Yes, I definitely think that right now agriculture there's some miscommunications within the agriculture community and with people who aren't in agriculture so ffa is one of the places where these students can learn about agriculture and then educate the rest of their community and it's just a way to close the gap between where your food is coming from on the farm to going to the table and ffa members are the people who educate the rest of the community I've heard it best put that you teach your kids about agriculture so they don't just think their food comes from a box, which is really important nowadays, especially since there's so much processed food that really you want to know where it's coming from. You want to know what practices were used. And and along with that, though, there's also a lot of misinformation surrounding different practices, and we're going to talk about those a little bit today. So yes. I know a little bit from you, you're passionate and knowledgeable on organics and GMO. Let's go ahead and start talking about organic uh, farming and where the issues and benefits come from that. 
Organic crops must be grown without the use of synthetic pesticides, bioengineered genes, which is also known as GMOs, petroleum-based fertilizers, sewage-based fertilizers, and this comes from helpguide.org. That's the definition of organic crops. And so what basically that is saying is like organics foods can't be grown using synthetic substances. And it almost seems like a step back in agriculture a little bit because they've been pushing so much for GMOs. I mean, there's not that many on the market currently because they are so uh, regular, regulated. Um, but, you know, organic is also a growing like trend almost. Uh, organic food actually, uh, according to Harvard, um, reached sales of uh, $35.9 billion in 2014. So, you know, it's really growing and starting to take off. But with that growth, you, you know, using organic products is amazing because there's no pollution, no anything. And so you think about the fact that there is significant reduce in crop yields, which, definitely, you know, you, you're, you're sacrificing, you know, you're either sacrificing pollution from, from pesticides, herbicides, whatever else you would use on their fertilizers. You're sacrificing, uh, that for higher crop yields but also you got to think of it takes more energy which also has a carbon footprint to produce organic i think that it's a loss on both the farmers and the consumer side so the farmers are not making as many crops some of the crops are going to have to be thrown away and wasted because there's no fertilizers being used to get an adequate amount of crops and there's no pesticides being used to prevent pests. But on the consumer side, they're paying more to get a product which they think is better. But at the same time, organic food, GMO foods, they're both adequate. They both have no health effects or scientifically they shouldn't cause any health effects, but they're paying more for organic foods that they think are better. And the truth is with the whole health side of things, like registered dietitians even, such as Kathy McManus, McManus I mean, uh, says stuff like, and this is a direct quote from her, I think people believe these organic foods are better for them, but we really don't know what they are. So there's no proof like that they're actually better. It's all just opinion. And oftentimes opinions are only opinions. They're not facts. And I feel like this is one of those cases where it's not a good enough health benefit if there is one to go organic. I find all over the internet, I see people pushing organic foods, but I think, in my opinion, I think it's a waste to be spending more money on a crop that you don't necessarily know that's 100% organic because there are some fertilizers that are allowed to be used. If they're non-toxic, they can still be used like biological fertilizers and other stuff. So there are different health risks that are unknown, but you're paying more for unknown health risks. And it's, it's weird though, too, because people keep pushing it, even though there have been, there's been all this pushback by the people who actually know stuff, such as dietitians, uh, health experts, uh, farmers are even saying that it's not a good sustainable idea. Um, in small applications, though, it is very beneficial, such as like a community garden where you're planting seeds just to like add in spices and you're growing small crops like tomatoes, other stuff like that. And you're able to 
not sacrifice so much the crop yield with that small little plot. But when you're talking about multi-acre farms, 100-acre farms that are growing without the use of pesticides, fertilizers, all these different things, you know, you really start to wonder how much more it could go to like solving world hunger even that that area could be. You know, while most fresh produce can't be stored and transported easily, stuff like grains can be transported all over the world pretty pretty easily. And those can help so much with going to smaller countries that aren't as agriculturally based as the U.S. is. Yes, I definitely agree. You had mentioned community gardens. So food insecurity is a huge problem, and it's something I'm very passionate about. It's the lack of resources to be able to get food or the lack of money to be able to get food. And there's many different reasons that somebody might be in food, might be food secure, food insecure, but community gardens is a great way to help food insecurity and prevent people from being food insecure. But if somebody wants to eat 100% organic foods, I think they should be growing it themselves. They should be helping out at community gardens and doing all this stuff where they know exactly what's going into the crops and the, making it for themselves. I think organic farming is way better on smaller scale and should be used for personal use rather than large scale. And most of the fertilizer pollution happens from small gardens and lawns even because people who haven't been around the industry just think that more is better. But in the case of a lot of fertilizers, more is less. Um, And Farmers aren't just going around spraying their crops crops with gallons and gallons of extra pesticide, gallons and gallons of extra fertilizer. They're, they're doing the bare minimum, really, because if they were to, you'd see prices skyrocket. You're really trying to get the most for your money when you're producing. And I feel like that's what people like don't realize is that a lot of the pollution um, actually comes from runoff of home lawns of people reseeding refertilizing their lawns like twice a week which happens um especially in big uh city areas and it's a and it's an issue that needs to be addressed but it it needs to shift the blame so much not just on farmers there are non-farmers people who don't have a green thumb that couldn't tell you the difference between types of fertilizers that are just sitting there and they're drowning their crops in fertilizer and it's it's kind of crazy and that's why i think that organic does have its place it it like for your home garden for a community garden if you want to grow your grass or grass organically that's when you use it but when you try and pressure big corporations that are already trying to fight against the lower costs like the lower sell of crops i mean that's a big issue farmers already don't make that much and whenever you're pressuring them to have to spend more it's kind of regressing agriculture as a whole i think this is where miscommunication comes in from people who the consumers and the producers the consumers are think that farmers are putting gallons and gallons and gallons of extra fertilizers when the farmers they do not put all that much fertilizer onto their crops. They want to save as much money as possible to make as much money as possible. So they're not going to be spending extra amounts of money and polluting the waterways just for them to make less money. And I mean, they're, they're already making so little, like for out of every dollar that is spent on food, 
about eight cents goes back to the farmer who produced it. So they're really, really already not in a good financial situation to be spending more because they want to keep that cost down so they can keep the price of food down as well. So more people can enjoy it, but also they can sell more and it kind of balances itself out. But like a lot of people who are not at all involved with agriculture go against non-organic farming so much when if they just look at the actual facts, look at what the experts are telling, you know, there'd be a big difference in their opinion on it. Um, and by no means is organic something that needs to be vilified because it is really good in small applications, even small farms that are only a couple acres. Those are good because some people are scared to eat it and some people will only eat organic. But if you are only eating organic, try to at least grow some for yourself. Try to at least get an idea for what you're putting into your body. And like, even though in order to get the USDA seal, seal, you know, they have to regulate everything all the way down to the soil. But there are so many people who don't actually produce organic and just say they produce it and get away with scamming people for organic foods. And that's a serious yes. problem as well. They're also still allowed to put synthetic substances such as, I'm going to try and say this as best as possible, <laughs> pheromones. They're they deter insects off the crops, but they're still allowed to be on there. And people think that there's nothing going on to the crops. They think that you put the seeds down, you put water on it, and magically these amazing crops come up that are giant, that have no pests on them. And they think that it was just because they had water and sunlight, but they don't realize all the other things that had to go into it to prevent all the pests from going onto it, to make sure that it's growing properly. They just think that it grows with some water and sun. And this is just another problem with lack of information. Like you really have to look at all steps of the process and you can't just say, Oh, well, there's less of a chance of me getting poisoned by some pesticide on an organic one. You got to also look at the fact that it's still regulated. If it's not organic, you can't put DDT for instance, because it was shown to have uh, issues with the reproduction system of birds. So they, they do crack down on pesticides and fertilizers that are proven to be harmful and really it's safe to eat. And not that I'm saying you should go around drinking stuff, but drinking pesticides or anything, but it's safe because it's been washed off and make sure if you, if, even if you get organic, you should still be washing off your fruits and vegetables because there's other stuff that may get on them. There's waste products from animals and birds that can get on there that may have just been wiped off and not actually sanitized. Um, but I definitely think if you were to take, I'm not sure if you've seen this on the internet, but it's a popular trend. If you take your blueberries or strawberries and you put them in salt water and pests will come out of them. Mm -hmm. I've never done this personally, but I think if you were to take organic crops that have never had any pest control and crops that aren't organic and had pest control. And if you were to compare the two with how many pests come out of the strawberries that were organic and the strawberries that weren't organic, you would see a big difference in the amount of pests that come out of the organic ones. And they think that they're eating this very healthy crop that's all natural. But with all natural, you're also intaking pests. And a lot of the studies currently that are saying that organic over, if we just switch 100% organic over the next few years, you know, it'll be just as productive with, um, excuse me, it'll be just as productive as uh, non-organic, but then they also factor in the 
on that like is like in the hidden part of the studies it's always like assuming they find some revolutionary new way to increase nit nitrogen efficiency which is one of the major uh you know you, you see on fertilizer bags there's three letters mpk nitrogen phosphorus and potassium and that's the biggest one with organic farming that you're la losing is normally nitrogen actually and so yeah. all these studies that are like justifying organic farming are saying well someday you know we're gonna have perfect a perfect world where we can just snap our fingers and there's gonna be nitrogen in the ground all of a sudden and i mean currently though if you were to go and just keep on switching it every time you convert an acre into organic you tend to lose between 20 and 25 percent of your crop like more than you would if it was non-organic yeah, I definitely think that the farmlands are being cut back. Cities are being built, housing developments, suburbs. They're all being built, so we're losing farmland. But if we were to switch to organic, large-scale organic, organic on small scale is perfectly fine. But large-scale organic, you're ruining one plot of land and then having to move on to the next. But you're already, you're losing land as it is, farmers are but having to switch to organic, we're gonna be ruining the land, we're gonna be ruining the soil. And like you said, we're gonna be losing all that nitrogen and not being able to put it back into the soil. And one of the big reasons why you want to be as efficient as possible is not just because you make more money, but because also you have to cut less forest down to make more room for agricultural land. And that's a big deal too. You know, you hear about this deforestation all the time. And it's mostly, it's oftentimes in foreign countries, it's for lumber because they do not have quite as strict, in some countries, I'm not saying that the U.S. is the best ever, I'm just saying in some countries it is because of lumber, you know, they're cutting it back, just, uh, they call it cut and get out practice, where they just cut it and never replant it. Um, but here, when you talk about deforestation, normally it's for complexes being put up it's for agricultural land being put up because if you're actually doing it for lumber you want to replant immediately so you have a constant supply of wood um and i feel like that's a big deal that no one realizes that if you have to use more agricultural land you're losing trees and that's just not a fact that most people think about when they think about organic food yeah like you had mentioned you use about you lose about 20 to 25 percent of your crop with organic farming well, if that were the case, farmers would want to add more land so that they're getting the same amount of crop yield, but they're having to use even more land and using more resources just to make the same amount. And really, like, it's just so, it's such a mess right now with the information surrounding it. And there is no way to be completely sure you have right answers unless you go straight to the source. And most people don't go straight to the source. Most people look at influencers and, peop and people who don't actually have a degree, but they like took one course in college about agriculture that they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's so much better. And, and that's what a lot of the pro problems start. And you see even more, uh, you see even more misinformation with GMO products which are a whole Definitely. different problem. Um, and actually the way it started was scientists who studied the IRT potato found it to be toxic, right? Mm -hmm. but, but there are several protocols that have been established since then that eliminate the possibility almost completely of there being a GMO product that can be toxic that is on the market. Um, 
I think misinformation right now, social media is pushing all these different things to buy like antibiotic free foods, to buy organic foods, to not buy GMO foods. And they're putting out so much misinformation. And that's where us FFA members need to step up and we need to try and push out as much information as we can. Like antibiotic free foods. People think by buying, by paying more for antibiotic free food, they're not going to get any antibiotics. Well, you're not going to get any, any antibiotics in any other food because of the VFD, VFD laws that were put into place. Nobody's buying antibiotic foods. You're just paying more for the same exact quality food. A lot of people would rather pay more for a label rather than eating the same thing for cheaper. And Definitely. That's, that's, where the, that's where the consumers have gone nowadays is they buy into labels. They buy into gimmicks. They buy into all this different stuff. And they don't actually research before they buy their food a lot of the time. Now, there are people who have researched who have found articles that have said, you know, you should stay away from GMOs until they're, test- they're fully tested. But what those, those miss out on is the fact that they're tested before they're even marketed. Um, and, you know, they, they go through so many tests that they become safe. And in some cases, even they're more nutritious, so they're better for you than a non-GMO. I mean... And you look at different websites. The website I found most helpful was GMO Answers Online. And it, it gives a lot of different resources, a lot of different articles, a lot of different experts even you can chat with. Um, but the main goal of GMOs is to help increase crop yield and efficiency. And with GMOs, there's also less need for fertilizer and pesticides. So there's less runoff and pollution, which is one of the big issues with non-organic farming that people always decide to cite. So why not go for non-organic GMO and it balances itself out. But, you know, non-organic GMO seems so awful when you hear it through the misinformation and how they demonize and vilify uh, GMOs and non-organic farming. And it's really getting bad nowadays too with the increase of social media. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, honestly. It is so useful for reaching out with people with spreading information, but also so much false information gets spread and it's just so hard to combat once it's out there. Definitely. A lot of people think that GMOs are this evil thing that are so bad, but in Hawaii, the GMOs saved all of the papaya plants that were there because there are these pests that were eating away at all their crops and all these farmers were going bankrupt because all of their crops were being lost. But then they brought GMO farming into the mix and now they're, they're making a lot of money and they're, they were able to save all their crops and they prevented deforestation over there. Yeah, it's just so helpful in combating stuff like that. Um, and you know, there's stuff that's so amazing, like the um, Roundup Ready corn, where you, corn, it's, it's so tall, there's so many weeds around it, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it gums up machines some of the time, even, um, but you just spray it with Roundup, the corn stays, but everything else dies around it, which is incredible using that using just a regular herbicide all of a sudden this corn because it had a gene inserted is basically the same except for the fact that now it's resistant to a herbicide um but also now they through uh through selective breeding which 
is a form of genetically modifying something. It's just not in the category of GMO um, because they deem it as as speeding up the natural process. Now there's corn with more ears than they had before. And there's stuff like that out there that it's just, why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, there's so many things that have been altered so much by humans, but since it was through selective breeding, people don't bat an eye. Like every single banana right now you, you find in a market is, was not the same back when we first found it. Bananas were these tiny little seedy pods and now all of a sudden they're these big meaty fruits. And you, you just don't see that naturally happen over that short of a time, but it, it is a GMO and it is safe, just like the other GMOs out on the market. Um, and there's so much to do with that that's helped spurring along uh, an increase of productivity in agriculture. Yeah, and all these GMOs are preventing all these fertilizers to be putting on the crop. So they are earth friendly and they're not affecting the earth in a negative way. And they don't affect people in a negative way. No, there's no, there's never been any scientific research done that proves that GMOs are bad for humans. Everything proves that they're okay for humans. They're okay for the earth and they're okay for humans. So unlike organic farming where you're having to use more of earth, GMOs prevents you, you have to use less of the earth, you make more money, you make more crop yields, and they're human friendly. A lot of people think that GMOs are this bad, evil thing, but really, they're this good thing. They're a blessing in disguise. I mean, don't get me wrong. GMOs are pretty risky unless they've been tested. And now there's so many regulations because of the IRT potato that now you can't get it on the market until it's proven to be safe. And there's not that many on the market. And most of the things that say non-GMO are just saying non-GMO because they want people to pay more. It's, it's another one of those things where they want you to buy the label instead of buying the food. Um, and it's just a common problem. Yes, I feel like everybody nowadays is using apps like Instagram, Twitter to find all their information instead of sites like USDA, USDA.org or the FDA.org where you can find so much information that is true, that's backed up by scientific research, but instead they're using social media platforms where there's so much misinformation and they're just jumping to conclusions on things that they don't know about. So they're buying these labels that they think are much better and much more expensive, but they're really not all that great. And really there's only, I, I just looked it up to fact check myself before I said it, but as of right now, there's only 10 GMO crops currently produced in the U.S. On more than 120 seeds with unique traits have been deregulated, meaning they're not marketable anymore. Um, but more than 90% of corn, soybean, cotton, canola, and sugar beet acreage in the U.S. is genetically modified because it's just so much more efficient. So you really got to look at, hey, it's safe. You've probably eaten it without knowing it. And so far, you're fine. And there's only 10, whereas 120 have been discontinued because they were found to have possibilities of being unsafe, some of them. So there's just such such a strict regimen of testing that they have to go through before they're ever put on the market. Yeah, a lot of consumers don't realize the amount of testing that these crops, all crops, have to go through. And there's so many rules and regulations that have to be put into all of these different things when it comes to farming. 
but the consumers all think whatever social media says is correct. They don't realize what the scientists are doing and what the farmers are doing and all the research to back what we are doing. And I feel like that's where it really, like the argument really ends is listen to the experts. That should be where every argument ends. If there's research that's been done and it's been proven to be one, you should not argue the other. Um, so really it's been proven that 10 GMOs, the 10 that are on the market are safe for human consumption, are safe for human interaction, are safe in general. And then, you know, organic has been, hasn't been proven to be any healthier, but also it's, it's super inefficient and you, it, you lose some, you win some with it. And it's just not really worth it to be honest for a large scale because you'd have to do so much in order to make it even viable to support what we currently are supporting. Um, whereas if you continue to push agriculture in the direction it's going, um, being more efficient, being less energy consuming, um, you know, it may solve problems such as world hunger. It may solve problems with distribution even. And organic crops don't even last as long. They, 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 they'll sit there and they'll rot quicker than a non-organic crop, which leads to more food waste which is more just a food that could have been put elsewhere since, but since it was so expensive, it stayed on the shelf and now it's gone bad and can't be, it, it, it still probably could be eaten, but it's not going to be eaten because no one wants a, a bruised up tomato. No one wants a banged up banana. Like you really want a good looking fruit most of the time. And that's a problem in and of itself that we think just because a, a fruit has a, bruise on it that it's no longer good and that's another yeah. problem with just it's not so much lack of information more of a preference but we really need to get over that sometimes to help use more of the food that's out there instead of going for the new stuff all the time and making it worse to the point of it being inedible yeah ugly foods they're foods with blemishes bruises or discoloration those are all being thrown away at the stores or the farmers have to throw them away. They're perfectly good food. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just not as appealing. And that's like the labels. The labels that say non-GMO, antibiotic-free, natural foods, organic, those labels are appealing to the eye. A banana that is completely yellow, that's large, that's appealing to the eye. An apple that's super green and large, that's appealing to the eye. Customers are just looking at what looks good to them and that's what they're buying. Whereas they should be doing more research and looking at what is actually good, not what looks good, but what is actually good. And really like stuff like bananas, even though the yellow ones look better to your, like you perceive them as better, whenever they're more brown, they have higher sugar content. So therefore they probably taste a little better. Actually, they do taste better when they're brown. They're not as firm, but they're, they taste better. And so you, and what do you think goes into stuff like tomato soup that's mass produced? You, they're not looking and hand selecting the best looking tomatoes. They're going for what, whatever's cheapest, which oftentimes is not the best looking. And it's the same with all produce that gets like put into foods that are canned or mass produced period. It's not going to be your beautiful veggies. It's going to be whatever was left over that was cheap. And he, you kind of sacrifice a little bit with that, but you don't know you're sacrificing. So all of a sudden it's okay. And I feel like that's a big stigma that everybody has. Like I, I myself don't really like to eat nasty looking food, even if it tastes fine, because it doesn't look like it's fine. 
but really if you knew about it like even though i know about it if, if you really think about it really hard you know it's fine and you you end up eating it anyways and it's just something that people including myself i'm kind of preaching to the choir here but you got to get over it and it, it's it's a hard thing because you're taught that from the moment you you are capable of understanding it but it's something that you have to get over yeah, and everything that we've talking about, it all leads back to misinformation, and all this misinformation is coming from social media. I think if consumers would just take 10 minutes out of their day to go on to USDA.org, to go on FDA.org, to go on these websites and do more research into what they're consuming and what they're buying, it would be a whole different aspect. We'd be looking at a whole different world where people are not so misinformed and people are buying the right products that are good for them, that are less expensive, and that are less harmful to the earth. And I really feel like that's that's kind of where where people kind of fail in their buying of their produce and buying of their food is they don't research. And if you really do, just it all it takes is a couple minutes. Like these aren't hour long essays that you have to read through. They're short little two page articles that give you all the information you need to know. And if you just take your time out of your day, it will change your mind some of the time. Like it changed my mind on certain ideas that I had whenever I was researching for this podcast. And so you really look, look at stuff like FDA, USDA, uh, GMO answers and find, find your own websites. Don't just take it from us. Go and research out on your own, look at it, make your own opinion, form your own opinion. And I feel like that is one of the most important things is to form your own opinion before you go and argue it is to, Go in with an open mind, absorb the information, and draw your own opinion from that. Definitely. I was even a victim to getting sucked into social media and to getting sucked into how bad agriculture was. I went onto social media and I was seeing these things, agriculture, this, this, and that. It's all bad. The agriculture industry is very bad. And this was before I was in FFA or in ag classes. And I actually was a vegetarian for a year worst year of my life but <laughs> um it definitely was a lot of misinformation that was put into my head and then as soon as I went into ag and in FFA my ag teacher she's like no Emily that's that's not how it works and she explained everything to me and now I've been doing more research and I've been learning about GMOs natural foods organic foods the differences between them I'm no longer a vegetarian I'm very happy about my decision and I've learned what foods I should be buying and which ones I shouldn't be buying and what I should, what I should myself should be producing on my little garden that I have. And there's, there's, this isn't misinformation. This is actually a fact that, you know, milk is like out of all the milks that there is there, dairy is, produces more emissions than your soy milk, your almond milk. But the thing is, if you just stop buying it, it's still being produced. And you saw over quarantine for, for all this there was an overproduction of milk actually because now all of a sudden people were only able to buy so many so people went hoard stuff they're only able to buy so many and then you were having farmers that those cows have to be milked they're just not going to stop producing they have to be milked and so they load up their trucks find out there was no one nowhere willing to buy it and they just dump their trucks out back in the field it's it's going to be there no matter what you're not you're not solving uh, global warming with choosing not to drink dairy it's it's gonna happen no matter what and it's it's just 
an issue with people knowing facts but not knowing all the facts and you got to look at it from multiple different directions and you got to understand like hey it even though it does produce more it's going to be produced no matter what not not it doesn't matter if you stop drinking it and plus if how many people choose not to drink dairy because of the emissions like it can't have a huge impact when you think about the fact that almost every single person who is not allergic drinks dairy yeah and there's so many dairy products in everything i mean you're not it you're not gonna be able to just avoid it by stopping drinking milk like straight milk because it's in cheese it's in everything from uh from pasta some pastas to ice cream and it's just such a versatile baby formulas colostrum that comes from the cows sometimes that's milked out and put into baby formulas and even like cow milk formulas goat milk formulas that all have byproducts of milk in it and people don't realize that it's one of those it's it's one of the top allergens like i was allergic to it for so long i still can't have it in its raw form but it's one of those things that whenever you're looking for it you realize how much it's actually in it's in so much of that like and a lot of the grains such as wheat and soy aren't so much and it's crazy because you flip her around and you're like why does that have soy lecithin in it like that that shouldn't be in here and it's just one of the additives they put in just about everything and so so when you're buying up those things because you don't want to have it also you got to think about all the people with dietary restrictions such as allergies or celiac disease when you're buying up all this non-gluten stuff you got, you got to make sure you at least leave some for those people who they can't don't they don't have options because if you can't find it you can always break your veganism for uh, instead of buying almond milk you can buy whole milk or you can just drink water but then you have people who who can't drink milk and whenever they go up to the shelf there may not be anything for them yes my brother he was actually allergic to milk and soy for the first few years of his life And that was one of the hardest things. You had to go into the store and look at every single product, read every single ingredient and everything, almost everything had milk or soy in it. So there's hardly anything that he could drink. And even my mom who was breastfeeding him at the time, she couldn't have any milk products or any soy products. And she had a very limited supply of food that she could eat. It's in everything. And people don't realize that they think milk is bad, but then they go and eat all these other different things. And they have they are eating milk, and it's so much more expensive to to buy without, and it's not an option for a lot of people because of the money that you have to put into it. A lot of people probably want to go vegan because it is proven to have, uh, it is proven to help your gut health, um, because you're not eating consuming any meat products. It's easier for you to digest. It takes less time to digest all that, but the problem is there's a lot of people who want to do that but they don't have the money, and and. It, and with buy, with all the people buying and buying into the trend, buying more and more, they're able to drive the prices up higher and higher, and it's causing it to become a bigger and bigger problem. So, A lot of the vegan community pushes organic food. You have to buy organic food if you're vegan. So these people who want to go vegan, they can't afford it. They're becoming food insecure because they're trying to buy organic foods that are way more expensive when they really could just be buying GMO foods or regular foods that are just as that are a lot cheaper and they're just as high quality and i mean it's not like it's not like you're looking for 
a bargain here and you're like sacrificing two cents to get the healthier option, it's, it's a significant change. It can double your grocery bill sometimes or more even. Um, and you look at it like people who eat healthily oftentimes are richer because they can afford it. You look at who the people who suffer with obesity and obesity and diabetes, they're oftentimes poorer than those people who, who, who are able to eat healthy and are skinnier and smaller and just all around healthier. And the reason is, is because the cheap stuff is the unhealthy stuff. You know, you can survive off of like $5 a day off of ramen and water, but that's not really a healthy diet. It's not a balanced diet. And so as more and more people buy into the health foods, the higher the prices are going to get and it's going to become harder and harder to for people with dietary restrictions to live a healthy life and i mean even even as a vegan if you're doing it pure out of choice you can still live unhealthily like a lot of fries are vegan like i'm pretty sure mcdonald's fries are vegan and you could eat super unhealthy still and still go without meat so it's really like you got you got to look at it for yourself and you got to think about others too because a you got to leave stuff there b you don't do definitely do not need to be encouraging higher prices because it's going to be an upward trend as long as people are doing that i think there definitely needs to be the price of a lot of these foods definitely need to be lowered because people who are food insecure who are having to buy cheaper foods. They're buying chips that are like 50 cents and that's their lunch. I know in my community, in my school, there's so many people who are food insecure. They only have access to say a Dollar General or a gas station where there's no organic foods. There's no GMOs. There's no fresh produce at all. So they're buying these really cheap foods and they're, they have a lot of health issues because of it and they can become obese. Whereas if they were to go to a grocery store where you find all these organic foods and all this other stuff that is priced way too high, they can't afford it. And I've noticed in my area, a lot of the times that I go to say Walmart or Winn-Dixie, most of the food is just organic and most of the food is way higher. There's no natural foods. There's no GMOs. It's mainly organic. So you're paying, you're having to go to the grocery store to buy more expensive food. And a lot of people around here can't afford it. So they aren't able to go to the grocery stores and live a healthy diet, live a healthy life. And then there's also people who, uh, who are able to buy it, but they really shouldn't. They should really be putting their money into other things that buy it because of the stereotype of organic and GMO products or non-organic and GMO products of being less healthy. So they choose, Hey, I'm going to be healthier And it ends up not being the effect they want and in fact causing them to become uh, less financially free. And that's a big deal too, because money is a huge part in today's society. I mean, you can't really get anywhere. You can't even get to work without paying for your gas unless you ride a bike or walk, which a lot of people are not able to do that because they do not live within that close of proximity of their place of work. And so that's just one of those things that it's a problem that needs to be solved, but currently there's no solution. So the best thing you can help is to take away the cause. And the cause is of people without caring, paying extra to stuff that they know is extra, but they just want. And so it's going to keep, they're going to find a spot someday where they cannot get people to pay for that price, but they're going to stick as expensive as they can get because really they're kind of greedy. Because you will see Definitely. people stick labels on there 
that are a guarantee that's guaranteed with other food that they just don't say it is just so they can add a buck to their product. And it's, it's, it's really crazy how much the misinformation, the, the spread of all these false facts, all these gimmicks has happened, especially over in the past few years, even, I mean, I, I was young, so I may not have noticed it, but I, I really do feel like it's gotten worse in the past two to three years. Definitely. I think everything that we have spoken about today comes down to misinformation. And if you learn anything from hearing this, it's that you need to put out the right information. Everybody needs to step up and put out the right information from the right sources and not listen to social media. We need to stop focusing on what social media says and do our own research. Social media is the peer pressure nowadays. It's a peer pressure that puts misinformation into our brains and we think that we have to go through the trends. We have to buy organic foods, we have to buy non-GMO foods, but really all we need to do is do our own research and put out the right information. All right, thank you so much for joining me here today. And at this time, just if you want to plug any social media you have or any other projects you're working on, feel free to do so. Yes, yeah, so check out my Instagram page it's x.emily.car.x. So if you check that out, I'll give you a follow back. Also, make sure you follow the uh, Farm to Table podcast. It's Farm to Table Pod on Instagram. Um, and follow FFA Behind the Scenes and follow me at Samuel Gillis on Instagram. All right. Thank you so much and have a great thank day. Thank you for having me.